Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio is a podcast created to seek the truth by interviewing researchers of the unknown. From the primitive areas of America to the wilds of other countries worldwide, we believe that the answer to the Bigfoot phenomenon and other high strange lies within the investigators pursuing these mysteries. Join me, Lauren Smith, as I delve into the experiences and methods of those questing for answers to things that most don't even know exist. Often witnesses themselves, they are knowers and seekers of the truth, just like you. Good evening and welcome to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight we have Robert Kreider on, who is a treasure hunter and a great, I want to say a man of mystery. Um, he covers so many different mysterious topics and just just t- so many topics. He's very versatile. So I'm going to call him a treasure hunter and man of mystery. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you are watching and hit that thumbs up and drop a comment down below to let me know what you think of the show. Also, uh, it, I have my moderators in chat as usual. So if you have a question for myself or for Robert, please type it in all caps and my moderators will get it to me. Again, please don't forget to subscribe. Also, I'll be dropping links to Robert's different social media platforms and website. Please go check them out. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring Robert back on. Hi, Robert. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Doing pretty well. It's uh, this time change. You know, it's just is it's not necessary. It's just useless to me. So I'm, right. you know, doing the time change struggle this week where I'm tired at like 5 p.m. every day. Mm-hmm. So you know how it goes. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it was a run just to get off and run over here and jump on here. <laughs> yeah. I find myself waking up an hour before I need to in the morning right now. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, although I do use it because I'm not an early bird. I'm not an early riser. I hate it. Um, and so this time of year, every year I try to use this time change to get used to waking up earlier and uh, it works for a month maybe or so. Right. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, you have a very diverse interests. You have diverse interests. Let's put it that way. So I've looked at, you know, I've, I've had you on before. Um, mm-hmm. It was back in the day, but we've had you on before. Um, you've done a lot since then. Uh, your YouTube is amazing. I mean, you have, I think, almost 10,000 subscribers now is what I saw the other day. Yeah, so yeah. that's pretty phenomenal. You have a huge fan base. Thank and you. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, considering um, how often our, our subscribers write us and say, I was unsubscribed again. It's like been the yeah. 10th or 15th time. So, yeah, we're growing yeah. in spite of that, which I'm, I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, I saw that post also. Um, that's very frustrating. I've had a lot of people, um, a lot of channels, and it seems like I'm just going to go ahead and put my foil hat on tonight. Um, it seems like a lot of the more conspiracy related or, um, you know, um, high strange channels are the ones that get hit with the subscriber drop. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very frustrating. Very Mm -hmm. frustrating. Um, I watched my numbers fluctuate and I just thought, well, I I don't put out shows every week like I used to. So that's why until I started seeing Mm -hmm. all these other channels, Hey, make sure you're subscribed because they unsubscribed me. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
That's yeah, usually the best ones are the ones that start ringing the truth a little too often. I think they're the yes. heaviest controlled. So it seems to well, be. that's good. That makes me feel good about my channel that, you know, maybe I'm getting too close there and losing subscribers. Well, that's what they say. The one out front gets the most arrows in the back. That's true. That's, that's a really great quote to use in this situation. Um, it sucks though. Um, okay. So I'm going to go back in time a little bit and you, like I said, you have such a diverse uh, set of topics that you cover. How did you get into being a treasure hunter or being interested in all these things that you're interested in? Well, I think that it was a reflection on, on a lot of it. My early years um, had a lot of high strangeness ever since I was born. Uh, and in the family, we homesteaded a lot of New Mexico, um, thousands of acres at one time very early on and um there was just a lot of odd stuff in the mix the entire time so i was hearing stories and things like that and of course and i witnessed a lot of odd things as a real young child some ufos and things and then we, we used to go up into upper canada when i was like four and five and real remote lakes that that normally you had to get a float plane to get into and um and so you know i've heard tree falls up there and we heard the stories and i still have a carved bigfoot head from like when I was, I think when I was like two and we were up there, you know, it was like 1967 or something. And, um, and so it's been, you know, it's been long and ongoing. And then as, when I got into school though, in my school years, um, even early on, I think just by the first grade, I expected to see things in school. I was looking forward to learning about these things I'd heard about my whole life and all the, the oddness and the, and the real mm -hmm. grand things and things of wonder. Right. And then of course that didn't come and that didn't come. And I, and I knew early on, I felt it right away because I was asking my teachers about the weirdness and weird stuff. And, and, um, and it was just scoffed immediately. And so, you know, I, I made a little young vow, even as a tiny child, you know, I wanted to know what was going on and I didn't want to be lied to. I wanted truth. And, uh, and so it just went on and on. And then as I grew older and older, that, that really set in deeper and deeper because as through the years, these things not only, um, were less talked about or less fantasized about, I guess they, you know, it was, it was, it became ludicrous to even go there. And, um, and by the time I was even 10 or 11, um, I think in search of came out and, um, they had their show on Bigfoot and whatnot. And it was, it was then being described as this myth and a, a single, you know, creature out there, almost like the, a, you know, werewolf or, or, or for better yet than I'd say that even because there are a lot of dog, credible dogman stuff going on. But I believe that, um, you know, it was characterized as a, as, as a mythical monster, let's put it that way, by 75. Right. And that kind of sank in because my reality that I knew about it before that, it wasn't really characterized that way. It was characterized as something out there we need to take a look at or that was that everyone knew was there and it just hadn't been found yet. And, um, and so, and then through the years, of course, going up, I was always into truth, of course, and I was always into the the alien stuff and whatnot because of um, Aaron, Eric Von Donneken and Chariots of the Gods and then gold of the gods books um i was exposed to those very early and then like the betty and barney hill case um early abduction i was exposed to that stuff early and we had some of that stuff going on in our early settler family here in new mexico and in, in texas and oklahoma and there were stories in the family of encountering odd beings and seeing craft and everything and i had one aunt that used to draw a lot so i think just subconsciously it all came in that, that this thing was going on collectively out there and there was just no truth to the story and, um, and I just, I'm just the type of personality that's where I swung. And so everything I did on the side, I mean, I've, I've worked some real high end, um, technical jobs. I've worked in management of different sorts, even including restaurants and tire shops and whatever else. 
And um, so I've always been kind of in a leadership role, but in the, the early 90s, I began to do kind of more serious exploration work. And uh, I would say in the, actually in like 89, I, I found uh, Coronado's lost winter home and a bunch of stuff in the middle of the Arizona desert. <clears throat> and that's where I really got my feet into going extremely rugged, difficult places and, and began to find the best things in those places. So yeah. um, I turned into a guide and used to guide uh, some of the geologists from Arizona State, uh, the Minerals Museum there known as Arizona ASU and some other guys. So I began to get in with some scientists and professional aspects and more historians and this and that. It just kind of evolved. But through all that time is how I got to personal experience with a lot of the high strangeness and the Bigfoot and and all that you know so well that resonates with me i grew up weird too um you know paranormal uh ufos all of that and then eventually bigfoot and um unlike you though i i knew it was taboo and so i didn't talk about any of that in school and you know even in my adult years um at work it was i didn't tell anybody i was you know a bigfoot researcher and had this great podcast i didn't tell anybody that until after finding bigfoot came out and um a few years later i finally started really letting my i'm gonna say my freak flag fly you know like just being weird and and embracing my weirdness so good for you it, it, was, <laughs> well, it was similar to that the entire time too because we didn't treasure hunt and do all history stuff on kind of a hobby level we worked with a lot of academics and we worked with the government we worked with even police forces and things doing underground scanning for them and a lot of stuff so um, I couldn't share any of the weirdness throughout my entire time with that with most mm -hmm. people of course the guys on my crew and on my team we experienced about everything you could imagine but Nothing was really, we never advertised or blasted that. And then when the internet came about, you know, I saw what was out there for Bigfoot just frustrated me immediately because we had been experiencing them often and they're not a strange thing. We had ex experienced them a lot in many different aspects, being in so many locations for such great periods of time. You know, I was, I stayed in one place for eight months in a tent, never left, you know, and, and in a real remote area and there was one there. So you're talking every day, every day, every day, every day. Mm -hmm. Um, experiences with them and so when I got on the online and began to see what was out there and I say this often it's kind of my my way of saying it because a lot of people felt the same way I believe and a lot thought it was funny but best I could find was just it, the internet was pummeled with videos like uh, Bigfoot on a quad eating an ice cream and and I wanted to see and I thought with all this advent of all the now there's digital cams out there but he's got a camera there and even back there in the early days of the internet um, it was still totally different than it was before. I mean, if you were carrying a camera, it was probably a box camera because if you had anything else modern to date, you know, it wasn't durable and whatnot. So um, with that, I thought, wow, we'd really see, by the time I hit YouTube, I thought, wow, we'd really see all this wild stuff and there just wasn't. And so at that time, we were actually just kind of uh, coincidentally involved with Bigfoot activity new in an area and it was happening locally at the house we rented. And mm -hmm. so it just kind of went on from there. And that same location, of course, you know, we also did a, a major treasure recovery or, or attempted recovery there. So it was all, it's always been tied together. It's hard to separate. That's, I mean, that's fascinating to me. Um, I, I do know, I have a good friend that he goes gold mining um, mm -hmm. and he lures his friends out there to look for Bigfoot. He'll say, oh, I heard of this great place. There's been encounters, but really he wants to go pan and the you know the rest of us get lured out there to go find bigfoot so um right. it's it's unfortunate or fortunately i guess uh mm -hmm. treasure or precious metals or whatever are 
not near civilization and that's where bigfoot also resides not near civilization sometimes um yeah I use a few of my guys even asked me and collectively at one time um what are we doing you know because they yeah. said bigfoot are you serious this is what we're doing now and i said yeah man so yeah uh yeah and then they have that experience and then they're like oh crap like this is oh real. yeah um yeah, yeah. so can you tell me kind of your most impactful Bigfoot Bigfoot experience. Um, waking the giant. That's a, a situation I call it, and it's a video and stuff. But not just a title. It's just what I regard the situation. So I woke up a very very large male um, in the early afternoon. Uh, might have been before twelve. It was somewhere in that though. And I apparently woke it up because I got within fifty seven feet of it with no obstruction except what it was laying beneath, which was some overhanging branches of a Russian olive trees. And, um, that one, I think, because I was alone, we'd already seen his prints the day before. We've been, we've been listening to him and, and vicariously getting to know him, but never saw a sign of him for like six years mm -hmm. and out of hundreds of trips and down there and everything, but everybody else in the, in the unit we did. And then, um, yeah, to go in there alone the next day, just trying to find a good print from the day before that I could cast and then, and then ran into him. Yeah. That was probably the worst. Um, yeah, at that at that distance, you know, um, you'd think that's well, that's fifty seven feet. That's quite a ways away. Trust me, it's not far enough. <laughs> you know, not with one that size. So, and, and you know, he left twenty three inch prints, and I was photographing the prints while he was still breaking things. Mm -hmm. you know, it's it was a, and I stayed in there for about an hour and forty five minutes, and he had one or two other smaller subjects. I mean, he was absolutely monstrous. Uh, matter of fact, when he first rolled over and, and got up because he was laying horizontal and I, I just saw a huge dark patch, uh, just a big dark section. I thought it was maybe mm -hmm. flood debris or something like that. And um, and he rolled over, but he did so in such an explosive manner when he was when I spooked him and he became aware of my presence that it, it, it really just about put me in shock. And I say the only way I can explain it is my, my bottom half tried to run. <laughs> and my torso and mind were doing everything they could to keep my legs there. And yeah. then I, had to, I literally had to look and see if I was urinating myself. And because um, it was it was really that big and that bad. I mean, it, it's like mass way beyond a Brahma bull or horse or something like that. Way beyond that. Mm -hmm. And three times faster than you've ever seen one move. You know, it was mm -hmm. like explosiveness of a big reptile, like crocodile or something. It's just horrendous. Um, what? Did you get a good look at the face? Did you get any eye contact or was it just movement and you know exactly what it was, but no, I saw, I saw the whole shape go from uh, horizontal to, um, I mean, he, he didn't have anything behind him dark. He was the only dark thing under there. And so, um, and it wasn't, you know, it was close. So I saw his entire mass go from horizontal up to, up to on quad on all fours and on all fours, he was about six foot tall. So, and he just barely fit in the cavity beneath the foliage and the foliage wasn't that dense. So I could see the entire form. It just had some brighter leaves in the sunlight in front of him. And then, um, he went sideways into a little heavier brush, but not, he didn't leave that spot and not for, I don't know, not until I actually looked sideways at one started to walk to my um, left and I, and I pan the camera over there. And it wasn't near as big or heavy, and it just—it was just walking. You could tell it was biped, just being quiet, walking. And so I turned my attention there. When I turned my attention back on the big one, then he bolted. And then when he bolted, I got to see the whole—you know—a good 
from here down, you know, uh, run through because the leaves below that were pretty sparse. And he ran through and ran to the to my left. And then um, the other one, I guess they went around and joined back up, circled around. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, so so, yeah, I got to see him pretty good there. And then when I, I I followed him in eventually, I went where the little one was trying to see if he was around there somewhere. I could get just a just a glimpse. Mm-hmm. And I really thought I would. And he ghosted me. And then um, so I, I went back around to where the big one was laying and saw the damage from him. And, you know, one of the things I saw that was most impactful was a push where where he took a Steve's on quad and he changed his direction just 90 degrees. And when he did, he broke the surface of the ground out. And where we live, there's no like loam and roots and stuff in most of the ground. It's just really hard packed red earth mm-hmm. and you can kick it as hard as you want. You can't dent it. It's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you dig it with a claw hammer, it's still hard. It's that are, and he broke out a section and displaced a section of crust, you know, that was probably eight to 10 or 12 inches wide. And then his heel dug down through that. And then um, it did an impression, probably dug in six inches or more altogether. And then, but the heel was real apparent. It was six inches wide at the heel. That was so impactful because horses and cattle and stuff can go all over that country and they scuff it. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't ever break it out. And he just literally just smashed the crust of the ground out. And then a a few minutes after that, um, I was around back there with him and he was breaking stuff. And I raised my arm up at the camera as high as I could above the foliage there. And, um, in the video, you can see he, he raises up and looks at the camera, but he only exposes as little of, as he can. Mm-hmm. So you get the top of the head and the eyes and the nose and, and, but it is what it is with the camera of the day. So, you know, still yeah. supposed to be 1080i zoom camera, or whatever, but still right. should have been. And then I did poke my SLR up and get a shot of the other subject, but he's back behind a lot of stuff too. He's clear, but he's back behind quite a bit. of fun. Yeah. It's, they know, they know exactly yeah. how to look at you and where to go to not be, fully photo fo- yeah expose himself huh? there you go i was gonna say photographable because yeah. words i'm telling you time change my brain stops working um uh, <laughs> just invent them as you go we're good oh yeah yeah i'm very good at that i make up words all the time um so i had there was a question from the chat and i had the same question um was there any odor or musk that he gave off being that close or did you smell anything before or after that no, not at all. But it's not uncommon where we're at. Everything's, I mean, we have rain and all that, but we just don't have enough humidity, I think, um, for that really condition to exist. It's like people the same way. It's just um, in a lot of places you go, it's like, and, and people are very, you know, odoriferous and mm-hmm. and they just not here. Now we have smelled them before, but it's mm-hmm. been real close proximity and just really have an air movement. So downwind yeah. in real close proximity, but they don't usually ever get um you know downwind of you if they're conscious and and doing their thing yeah. um but no not not that encounter i certainly didn't we have smelled them before but that, not that one i didn't know okay um when squatch and holler wants to know when he was on all fours did the whole foot touch the ground or just the ball or were you able to see that well when he was on when he was quad he was just touching yeah. basically the 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 great toe the next toe maybe the next two toes and and the ball which would be the back of the first metatarsal there that's all he was really contacting the ground when he was on all fours then because you didn't have full printing you had a lot of of uh, press marks you know um from fingertips in the side of the hand and which wasn't doing a whole lot and in that material and then but when he when he planted um he just contacted the full heel and about 
you know, from the pinky bone, the pinky toe, that bone below, it's called the fifth metatarsal. So about that, almost that whole fifth metatarsal and the entire heel when mm-hmm. he turned and went, went that back that direction or turned back to his right. So um, that's all that pressed in. Yeah. Now, when yeah. he put his foot down and I got the 23 inch print, he had gone bipedal. Right. Put a lot more weight down and he left two really good prints and those are full, full on. Yeah. So I have, um, I've always had a theory that usually when you have a sighting um, or a multiple subject sighting, it's a distraction. Um, you know, not always, of course, sure. but like in this situation, did you feel like this one over here was causing a distraction so that one could get away? Um, not necessarily, no, because I just, it was all reactive. Everything was reactive. So they didn't know I was there until I brushed the big one. And I guess I had already encountered where they had taken a deer. And so I knew there was recent activity and I knew it could be the big ones still in there. Um, but we were, I was, or I said, and a couple other, but I mainly, it was in there a lot with that group. So, um, and I was able to get with them quite a bit, you know, without them knowing I had come in yet. And if I'm, if I'm all by myself and I'm not speaking or anything the entire time and I'm just moving slow and doing, I sometimes would actually run into the group. So, um, but this was different because I, I guess I made a noise or whatever I did. I had a fear I was already close enough in. And then they're not in a big zone of real heavy cover at all. Matter of fact, there was nothing in between the little dirt pile I was standing on and, and it. So everything from that point forward was fully reactive. Um, but when I was on the other side of all the brush and trees, there was actually a big dirt bank behind me. So I didn't have anywhere to go when I went through there to where they had gone. And, um, but they had, then they circled right back to either one or two. It sounded like two. And the next day we said, we found sign from three. That's why I say, but I don't know who all was there that day, but there was at least two and, and it had flanked right back around where I came through and it was kind of making passes. And I think it was just getting looks at me and we're real familiar with who that subject was. Cause the next day, of course we tracked all that. And, um, but he, he acted a lot different, um, that day than the previous day because i mean even when when i was trying to get a view i stayed in there trying to crawl in there and get my arm somewhere where i could get a look at one of them but every time i would go to this back point and there was kind of a pinch point they would meet me there and um or one of them would and i didn't know if it was the big one or little and then the next day of course found out it was the smaller one which is still really big he's got like a 15 yeah. foot. he's really big so he's like seven feet or something um but, but instead of moving away from me, when we'd get to that spot, you know, instead of doing this cat and mouse thing at the edge there, he would, I would hear him come around to meet me there. And it just got to be too boisterous. So they weren't really, everyone knew where everybody was because they were being loud and, you know, breaking huge crap. And, but they were all together right there. So, yeah. but I have experienced that. I teach all my, my teams that if you hear a twig snap, somebody's going to look 180 degrees of the yeah. twig. Cause that's generally, they need to get a look at you. They yeah. feel insecure if they can't, whatever they need to assess the sit. Somebody's going to peak and that's, yeah, we found that's how they pull it off. Yeah. I've also said that, um, you know, I've had things thrown at me. Like if I'm looking on thermal, I've had things on the ground or in a tree looking at me and a rock will be thrown near me or a twig will snap behind me and I'll look away of course and look back and it's gone. So mm-hmm. I, I think they are masters of distraction. Um, have you ever felt threatened in the woods? Like it just got to be too uncomfortable or you were it besides the him startling him and having to check and see if you wet your pants, you know, because. <laughs> right. That's bad, right. Um, 
You'd think that would answer that question, but there's been other times. Well, even that day at the end, what really ended everything, it was becoming, uh, you know, later, late enough in the day, I didn't want to be there anymore. And, and by the time, like, he grunted at me, you know, at one point, and it was a grunt that I've just had enough of you. And, yeah. and I absolutely left. I didn't stay there anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm um, during, during when we did the university in New Mexico, um, field study for them. Uh, yeah, we had, I got in amongst the group and, and it, it was pretty friendly. Everything was pretty cool. Everybody's real close proximity. And then there was just one juvenile actually, that was the scary part because he was moving a lot and nervous and on quad going back in and out of the roadway in the moonlight. And eventually he come up and threw a rock at us. And, um, I mean, any, it could have killed somebody. It was that it threw it that hard. It was just like sidearm, like a baseball. And it was like a pound and a half rock. So, uh, and it just missed my buddy Junebug. Um, he's a little Navajo and he, he's, he's good in the field and everything. And he just instinctually, I guess when it had come up, um, one time he tries to pull his knife and I push it back into his sheath on the video. Tell him, don't do that. And then it kept, so, but when he got nervous and kind of raised up and when he did, it just went right under him and then hit me. And if it had hit him in the shoulder, busted his arm, if it had hit him in the head, we'd probably be there lifting him out of there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was pretty intimidating. I mean, and it hit the rock hit me. I actually caught it right there in my, in my, in my, almost my stomach. And, um, I was real lucky it didn't hurt me worse. And, and I grabbed it and I kind of got jerked off. You know, I told him I could throw this rock back at you and, It'll hurt yeah. too, blah, blah, blah. But they, then shine comes out on the camera. We watched three big dark shapes come out on the road and come at, come at us. And we're, we're still half laughing out of the excitement backing up. It was pretty, pretty turn on, you know? And yeah. So, but it was intimidating because they came out and they didn't take that as a joke. When I stood up, it was like, don't even act like that little boy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, that's the thing is like, I always tell people, you know, cause they're like, Oh, they were, they were rock throwing and it was so scary. And I'm like, if they wanted to hit you, they would, they could, mm-hmm. it's not like they're a bunch of, you know, five-year-old no. girls out there throwing baseballs like this. They, they could, they could hit you if they want, they they're trying they to want. scare you off. Yeah. Yeah. So. Matter of fact, and really cause, and that one was a young one. It wasn't near as big as the others that were there. And it's just, and no, it's almost like they're allowed to do whatever the heck they want, which I thought was kind of wrong. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we're all doing good here. We're all jiving. Anybody could yeah. leave if they want to. Nobody's leaving. And the little kid comes out and throws a rock. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they're kind of a, honestly, the apex predator. So yeah, they can really do what they want. He was on all fours and chucked that. And it's still yeah. his, his eyes on all fours, even all spread out sideways, like three feet off the ground. So he's still yeah. his eyes. I couldn't believe yeah. the force yeah. or the speed at which it came in. A human's just not, you got to have a little more throw than that to do that. I mean, it was just like that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the musculature of these creatures. They, they honest to God have muscles in places. We don't to be able to move as quick as they oh. do. It's preternatural. It's, it's, yeah. it's just, it's not, it's, it's not like a giant. You think that things change when they scale up. That's why I said when the big one flipped over, it literally almost put me in shock because your brain can't, it just doesn't contemplate mass accelerating that fast. Of course, yeah. and, and the, the sound of it. So mm-hmm. from literally the sound of impact on the ground to all the foliage, I go in there and wow, it's not that much damage. It sounded like a truck wrecked through there. It was unbelievable yeah. what it sounded like. So. Well, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Everybody take note. 
be glad they're throwing rocks and not poop. All right. Yeah, right. Just like, yeah. Yeah, like can you imagine? <laughs> Maybe having some Jeff Goldblum moments like that's a big pile of. Um, <laughs> all right. So we had, let me see if we had any more questions. Um, Ken, Kenneth Collins said, UFO, they're alien in a way. I shine portals and such. What do you think of that kind of stuff in the Bigfoot world? Uh, I don't think it's really any different than the rest of the world, to be honest with you. I've been involved in so much for so long, not just one avenue. Um, we've seen the same type of stuff across the board with everything. So I've actually heard of, you know, so many people that have involved been involved with random portal events, um, including my mentor, Jerry Gray, early on, uh, walked into a spot, felt, he said, everything got blurry. It felt like he was walking, trying to move through honey or it was so thick. Mm -hmm. And then he came, you know, half a second two whatever second, it wasn't very long, but when he came out, it was, um, he was a quarter mile from where he stepped in it in the Arizona desert and his feet print stopped and started over there. So there wasn't, so something he just, he didn't control it. It wasn't anything he planned. Um, he's not, he doesn't know, you know, we never knew what did it, what he, what happened to him. Um, and then when we see like Bigfoot tracks in the snow, they vanish and things like that. Seeing the same thing with cattle, deer and people. So there's been missing people where searchers have found tracks leading to nothing in an open snowy yeah. field. We're just covered in snow, tracks mm -hmm. gone. And so we've seen that with animals, humans, and Bigfoot. But a lot of people um, adjust even events like that to, well, they must have either been beamed me up Scotty or stepped off world or into another reality, be between realities, whatever, whatever it may be. And I don't necessarily go there because I don't necessarily believe that the people that that has occurred to were part of that or the event okay. or the deer or the cattle um, were part of that event. I think that they, um, I think that they and the Bigfoot are all victims of the same, uh, whatever it is that's Phenomena. doing it. It'll be yeah. the same culprit, the same, whatever, the same phenomena that's occurring. I think that they're right along with us as victims of that as well. I don't necessarily make that attachment verbatim. And then, you know, a lot of people have taken when it's said by the natives, native cultures you know you walk in two worlds but the native cultures knew of the physical world and the spirit world and we're well aware of that in the spirit world we're already a part of that world where that's a part of who we are as well mm -hmm. um and what is it when a person astro travels let's say um mm -hmm. are they walking in two worlds they are they're walking in the physical realm they're walking in the other realm now we've astral traveling and and remote viewing and all that has been completely scientifically 100 percent proven mm -hmm. uh, there's something there and some really wild experiments with the astral traveling stuff. To mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I believe, and I've also seen where the manifestation of human energy has shown up during those experiments as, as a sphere, as a foggy sphere of light. And I can't help but wonder that at the same time, when we see orbs and associate mm -hmm. orbs with Bigfoot, well, maybe that's the family walking in two worlds with whoever the sentinel is or whoever that's going to go out and take a look at you. That's a scary thing to them. That's almost like yeah. going to war. So you can imagine that they would want to be accompanied by their loved ones. And maybe that's what we're witnessing is the orbs are the accompanying energy of the other in the group astro traveling with them. You're right. Because uh, you can have five orbs hanging around mm -hmm. uh, in the woods. And it's like, what is all this? Or one or it's. And so we, we've been to tie them together in strange ways. But I think if we just step back a little bit and, and I think I think there's a simpler view. 
I think mm-hmm. walking in two worlds is astro traveling. And I think they can do it at will. Um, I think if they want to come visit your camp, you know, when, when they do this, we all feel the same way. I believe that they know we're there when we're there. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I've known my native buds and, and, uh, cowboys and stuff that could do the same thing. They'd know when people were coming, we live two or three, four hours out in places and they would know someone was coming 45 minutes before they'd show up. You know, you've seen a dog going crazy before the master's coming home, not even at a normal time. And, right. and those the people say, well, they hear their car. Man, they, they do this when they're in the suburbs in LA, the car's mm-hmm. stolen on the freeway and there's a million cars around it. Yeah. You know, they're not hearing that. So I think that that's what it really is. I think that before we step off into too big of a realm, I think that taking the simple view and I think knowing that these things really are real, they're not paranormal to me. They're, they're part of the normal reality of living species. And I think that they're, they're experiencing and part of that same thing. So, Okay. I think that's a great answer. They're subject to the same paranormal um, phenomena that we are. Yeah. And I mean, people have literally transported from one place to another and that's been recorded. So a preacher in Russia preached 2,000 miles away, went, so went 2,000 miles away to preach every single day. And he was documented in both locations every day. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just one of those things. I mean, lab animals have disappeared from containers, even things as simple as salamanders, not like something that Pete is in there rescuing or anything like mm-hmm. that. Literally, just you've got a Tupperware tub with a salamander in it, and then he's gone. It's like, and, and you're in a lab. I mean, it didn't go away, you know. So there's, right. there's things like that have occurred. So who knows? I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose subscribers after this show, not because they don't like the topic, but because we probably got too close to the truth at one point. I can feel it. Well, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really degrade anything else. I mean, no, everything has to fit. So if you have, if you have a single reason for an event that we've entertained and, and we may have even completely become loyal to that, um, you know, it, if it is, it will neatly fit into the puzzle. It won't have to be force fit into a puzzle. Right. And so if you then need to make other things that are, that don't easily fit to justify the one thing, well, then it might, you might still be on track, but it might be a little off. So um, I tend to want to, I tend to do things that fit, you know, and, um, and I know I've, like I said, I've had experience with everything from aliens to UFOs. I mean, physically aliens within close proximity and things like this for decades and only a couple of times, but it's gone on. And, and it's, you know, for one, it's not as flamboyant as anyone would want to describe. And, and two, it's as matter of fact as anything you can imagine. Right. And I, and it tends to be everything we experience really in reality tends to be that way. Right. It's, it's not fanciful when it's standing there, it's very real. And it, and it seems to be as just as much a part of the real world, even ghosts as, as anything else. It's like, they still have limitation and you can tell. Um, that there's still limits and boundaries and we all are living in this, in this realm, all kind of moving through it and fighting to do what we're doing. And so I experienced that with all of it, I guess. And, and I don't mean to, you know, scoff on anybody's belief systems whatsoever. You know, I just try to bring what we've seen through observation with the, you know, the simplest answer. So. No, I agree. Um, keep it simple, stupid, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we had another question from Greg. He said, hey, guys, have either one of you ever heard of a confirmed Sasquatch hospitalization that you can personally confirm? Thank you. I'm assuming, you know what they say about that, but I'm assuming he means that someone was hospitalized due to a Sasquatch encounter. Or potentially an injured Sasquatch coming up somewhere and ended up in a hospital. Um, you know. Now, I have heard rumors of that second thing. So I have, I've heard, but I'm not nothing in detail. 
welcome to Nightcaller's Archives. Before Nightcaller's became a vidcast on YouTube and Facebook, it was a live call-in show on Blog Talk Radio. We did things a little differently back then. It was a different time in the Bigfoot world. There were only a few podcasts, and Bigfoot was still taboo to talk about. We didn't have the TV shows, hundreds of Bigfoot groups and conferences, or funny memes that we have now. There were different times, folks. We've had many amazing hosts and knowledgeable guests over the years that helped get the Bigfoot community to where it is now. We hope you enjoy these older shows, as they are a phenomenal source of information and good times. If you hear a guest or host that you would love to see back on the current Nightcallers, please drop a comment. Enjoy the show! Uh, whatsoever, but about hospital or some medical facility being used to treat an injured subject. Um, and then the only thing close to that that I've ever heard of from a reputable source um, was about um, a young Bigfoot, very young, being literally dropped off at these old people's place way up in the mountains, being set on the porch and the female leaving and not coming back. And the um, they called uh, Department of in their region, the people to call was Department of Natural Resources. And they did that and they came out and removed and picked it up and took it away. So hmm. that's the closest I've ever heard to anything like that. On the flip side, um, and Lori could probably help me out with this because I was very young, but um, there used to be a gentleman that would join in the Bigfoot chat room on Pal Talk, and his name was Dallas. I don't remember his last name, but he allegedly had been attacked by a Bigfoot. Um, and the Bigfoot basically had slammed him into a tree and mm -hmm. he had head trauma from it. Um, and after that, he wasn't quite functioning on all uh, yeah. mental faculties. And so um, I don't know whatever happened to him. And I don't, I, like I said, I don't remember his last name and I'm sure Lori can remember it, but that, that is one of the only um, people that I've ever spoken to that has uh, had an, a, an aggressive physical right. encounter with a Sasquatch. Now, and, I, I see that comment come up and he clarified himself. Um, that he meant a person and yes i've heard of a, a lot of a lot of incidents that don't get publicized that are probably likely to sasquatch or to bigfoot but i've i've heard a couple that i know were directly related um and one was a woman was put in the hospital on a parking lot who got hit by a, a basketball sized rock in the head at a trailhead and it wasn't near anywhere it could roll off the mountain or anything like that it was a out across the road, blah, 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 down in the parking lot. And she just get in her car in the evening, took a rock to the side head and she went into intensive care. And then another one was when we were in our area, we call the kill zone of all things. Uh, we were in there in wintertime trying to access this area, this site that's in there. And we found a blood trail coming out where somebody had been really wounded bad. And um, by the fluid, they were dripping. It looked like potentially a head wound or maybe, maybe abdomen, but they put out too much fluid. And so we actually had tracked them for a couple miles and um, eventually they were either out, they were either inaccessible between that point to where we could get to them because it was already nighttime or uh, they had made it. And so we, we had to go even backtrack those couple miles at night and we're at 10,000 foot elevation. There's three feet of snow. Um, it was frozen. Luckily all the snow was frozen because we actually took mountain bikes in there. 
and we had dropped bikes we found their trail so we had to go back and do this big huge loop and when we got back down we reported it and like the rangers didn't even want anything to do about it but i guess what had happened was that they hell they i found it from someone else that they airlifted those people off the mountain about 1 a.m Oh my and, gosh. And it was, they were in an area where we would expect that type of thing to happen. I mean, that trail, 30 people in a year has gone missing off that trail. So. Well, really. I have to say, with my children being who they are, um, we had to, we've had many medical emergency in the woods. So I, you know, <laughs> I always think, oh, I'm like, whoever it is must be like my child. Um, right. We, that child we had to uh get him to the er this summer actually twice he had a facial trauma um at the skate park but then um, less than a month later he had was jumping from one boulder to the other missed the second boulder and fell backwards busted his head open to the skull and i had to basically hold his head the whole way to the hospital it was utterly terrifying and so when i think of that situation of somebody coming out covered in blood, I'm like, oh, they must be like my child. And right, you know, right. Uh, no sense of self preservation, all out or get out. You know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, um, this was pretty concerning. There was a man and a woman, apparently, and and you could tell when he would take breaks and things what was going on. And yeah, it did not, didn't look good, really didn't look good. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you my standard question a little bit early um, because I, think your answer will take us into what I've been waiting to ask. What do you think is keeping us from getting this mystery solved officially? Uh, the media. The media. Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, it's being done. And, and the format and the expression, there's also a concerted effort to keep things just off of focus and, mm -hmm. and, or to lead them as far astray as you can get them. Right. There's there's two little ways of doing this that are outside the the straight and narrow, and those are both happening. And and then of course we just there's no resource to tell people. Um, the work's been done, you know, and it's being done all the time, and it's it's prolific. You can mm -hmm. prove the case anywhere. You know, we almost were ended up in court with it, and we would have probably got that pulled off. And then of course they they dropped everything. And big charges, you know, uh, fraud by uh, executive director of the University of New Mexico Gallup for conducting mm -hmm. the study we did. And, um, you know, there was a big pro that was uh, instrumental in, in misplacing all the DNA and physical evidence screened during the study. And so they immediately attacked him for fraud and were charging him with, with fraud. So taxpayer fraud, yeah. and, um, which was going to be pretty damn big charges and things. And so, but and we were actually kind of looking forward to it because I still had, a bunch of the physical evidence and the entire year-long study data to go with it and we were going to present all that in court mm -hmm. the whole charge was it was fraud there was there was nothing gleaned it was a mythical creature so then it, the answer would have been is it mythical or not so right um which would have been great we were like good let's do it and then they dropped all the charges so you know it's 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 hard it's really hard to go and push through it just everyone can think all kind of conspiratorial thoughts and they're probably right on some of them um, but really it just stems down to a couple aspects of why we're, we're not hearing it and why it's so tough. And that is for one, the accountability and liability of all the agencies throughout all the decades that have told you it's not out there confidently mm -hmm. told you it's full of crap. So we're either going to place them in one of two brackets if they ever do admit it, or if we ever catch them and make them, and yeah. that's going to be, it's going to be incompetency 
or dishonesty. They either lied about it or they didn't know. And with their resources that they have, if they didn't know, they were incompetent. So at best. So, I feel like they kind of did that with aliens, though. You know, they said it's not real, it's not real, it's not real. And then they came out and said it was real. And they used the media to groom us UFO sighting, UFO sighting, and then all of a sudden it's real. And they use the media to come out with it. And it's funny even how they did that because a year before this come out thing, the Pentagon said, yeah, we have materials that were not, metamaterials that were not made in this on this earth. Mm-hmm. Well, that was like a year before they supposedly came out. And that was a public release of information. But nobody put two and two together. If they had materials not made on this earth, well, they weren't made by us. And how'd you get them? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that was the admission back then, but I guess nobody noticed. So then they needed a big whistleblower to actually spell it out for the people. Here's right. what we're telling. Yeah, I know. And and even when this comes out, when it when it does, it's going to be, um, well, we knew all the time, but professionally we hadn't done this, we hadn't done that. So it's mm-hmm. not, we don't. And it'll be a save face moment. It's just going to be a big one. And the other aspects to that, you know, there's economic aspects to that too. It's not just the liability and culpability or anything like that it's just there's impacts across the board whether it's socioeconomic or religious or whatever it is that just make waves and Mm -hmm. when you make waves people aren't calm productive people tend to ride that wave and then that's not good for anybody it's like you know they're not as easily manipulated the next time you want to not come out with something not good for credit agencies it's not good for anybody else (laughs) well said very well said and well answered i will say um I I tell people all the time because they're like, do you think it's going to take a body? And I'm like, no, I think it's going to take the government letting a body be shown. Yeah. Um, I think there have been plenty of bodies. Do I think that they have been allowed to be shown on the media or to anybody? Have they been suppressed? Yes. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who wants to open that can of worms? That's remember all the people are agency isn't an agency. It's nothing. It's not a big monster with a bunch of tendrils. It's just people. And it's just this guy and this guy and this guy who just want to go home and don't upset my day. I'm not about to get tied up and all that each individually. So who wants to go there? None of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the government's fully aware of Bigfoot and they just do not want us to have anything to do with that. Um, One more from Kenneth Collins. He said, Hey Rob, talk about your invention and has you, have you heard them chatter? Yeah, and hi Ken. By the way, you know I'm a big follower of your stuff. Um, you, you and I have so much, so many similar print castings and a little family group together. I think it's really cool. Um, yeah, so invention-wise, I believe you're talking about the KXPD3 uh, parabolic mic I built. It's actually a hemispherical mic. It's not a true parabola. Um, nobody would know what it was if I said that. So, um, but yeah, I was able to put together a thought process and get a secret or two that allowed a very small unit to have, you know, a great impact. And I guess if I, as people do want to hear about, it, I guess I never, ever pump my stuff. I've, I've never done it during any, any cast at all. Um, but yeah, so a 27 inch coal or a parabolic dish will pick up a human voice at 900 feet and we can pick up a human voice over a mile. Oh, and wow. so with a 12 inch dish and you can throw it out of the car doing 30 down the highway and it's going to bounce and not do anything to it. So, um, that's so we really went kind of another level and then right now i'm actually dealing with um a couple of uh distributors go to the military and things like that who are who want that tech in their hands so they're talking to me now about developing bigger systems around that which is blows my mind because uh boyd omer i always give him the shout out no matter what because he's the guy who inspired me to do it at another level we were 
I was building these dishes and stuff for years before this and never really took it to that scale. And then when I did it with, with Boyd's, I went ahead and wanted to do something special. So I figured out my own theory. It's based kind of how animals ears works. You know, you look at the form of an animal ear and it's covered in fur. Um, it's got little fuzz all over it. It's got a little mm-hmm. ripple, but yet it outperforms anything you can do. And it sounds perfect. So there's a reason for that. And so I just kind of gained access to that reason and I put the unit together and, um, and so I made them available. There's about, I think there's only something like 65 of them out there right now. Um, and so far everybody's just, you know, ecstatic. Um, we've heard not just chatter, but arguments. Um, we've heard all kinds of stuff. I mean, we've heard two, like, yeah, two subjects arguing and it was, they were probably, well, the river was two miles away where they should have been and were but they were yelling and and it sounded like two of them were just going off at each other's high-speed monkey rushing that's what i call it and um and so they were they were tearing up and then and then another one you could hear it was quite a bit of distance away um, or at least it was out of the focal point of the mic and um Mm -hmm. and another one interjects and screams something all crazy and they both just shut up there because they were just talking over top over top of each other going back and forth with Mm -hmm. people cutting each other off and this one yelled they both shut up and listened to this whole whole thing and then it went right back to it again just going off tearing it again like they just completely ignored me i don't care what you said that was and, a mom and two kids guaranteed well, yeah, guaranteed maybe, maybe saying, would you guys shut up or something exactly. you know, and they didn't care they just went right back yeah and that was really really cool and i guess that's the other aspect of the device i guess that is the key aspect of the device really it's not just the range and sensitivity of that invention it's the ability we can change the focal point so that I can pinpoint, I can pinpoint a person or an owl over a mile away. I can tell you mm-hmm. what tree they're, they're in at that distance. It's that fine of a, of a pinpoint. So I guess that's the thing. And there's no other audio device in the, in the world that I'm aware of that can do that. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, truly that's amazing because it's kind of, uh, you know, it's hit or miss with audio and it's, it's, you can kind have of like the miss. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Um, but, you know, I tell people all the time, like when people are at Bigfoot gatherings, I'm like, you got to watch what you say. I'm like, okay. if you if you think you're alone, it doesn't matter. You have to watch what you say when you're at a, on an expedition or at a Bigfoot yeah. event because everyone's got recorders. So if, if, oh, you're, you should see if you got one of these things in your hand, exactly, oh you're not safe anywhere. So you might not as well only just that. When you're going through recordings, this is horrible, man. But when you're going through recordings, you hear if if there's if 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 they're within the front 170 degrees, you hear every single movement of the human body of every single person in that camp. Oh, period. No. If they're behind it, every every course, every snore, fart, cough, whatever that comes. <laughs> but if you're in front of this thing, everything you can hear people's stomach growl. You oh can hear gosh. every single breath, and you're sitting there listening to audio files. Or you've got it on a spectrum analyzer. You're trying to watch them go by. So you go, and there's all this stuff. And you're like, what is that? What is that? And it's all bodily yeah. functions. Oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, and then people try to whisper. No, no, you could be a football field away. And they could whisper. If it's quiet around, yeah, no problem. Yeah, so if you have it. one of these things, don't talk crap. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. because it will get it. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's. That's hey, Pyromatic, it. how's it going? I see you're up there, Lori Dyer. I got to say hi to some of your people here. Oh, this of is, course. Um, of course. He's a Pyromatic's awesome guy. Never. I love Pyro. I got yeah, to meet him at a um, at a symposium a couple years, a year or two ago. And um, 
I saw this nice gentleman sitting at a table and I, my son and I were, we had a plate of uh, walking tacos or something or fry bread. I don't remember. And I was like, can we sit with you? He's like, Oh, okay, sure. And he's talking to us. He's like, by the way, I'm pyromedic. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, I know you, you know, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, um, good to see you. He knew who person. I was and he didn't, he didn't say a word about it. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a, a really great chat tonight. I mean, everybody's got a lot to add and a lot of questions. So that yeah. And if anybody great. out there is curious, um, I'm an open book. Um, don't be scared to ask. Like yeah. literally I'll, I'll ask, I'll answer any question I can. And that's yeah. pretty much anything. Um, I think we had one more question I missed earlier. Um, Doug Miller, he said, do you use canines at any at all? Seems like they're especially curious if there are hounds around. Yeah, probably because they want to eat them. No, uh, <laughs> no, some are really gentle to dogs like George Harvey, his, his dog. Well, the one they kept outside all the time got so used to him. And one of the smaller, like seven or seven and a half, eight foot subjects would, would bring it. Uh, bones from the casino they would actually break and tear the fences apart go to the dumpsters rip them apart get the bones out or eat whatever the food is but they would bring bones to george's dog mm -hmm. which is really cool and you know but they were kind of odd like one time they went out there and the doghouse was upside down yeah. and the dog was in his doghouse but the whole doghouse was upside down so they would oh be gosh. playing and um, and once the dog got off and was actually with george's sister and they were running a little uh utv an electric utv so it's pretty quiet but she came right up on three members of the family unit by herself with the two dogs. And one of them whistled with flat teeth and the dog ran up right to its feet and it reached down and petted the dog. But to answer the question, absolutely not. Um, man, if you'd heard the stories that we've had, we've heard and responded to and investigated about them dealing with dogs. I've recorded. The only thing I can imagine was ripping a large dog, like a German Sepin or something in half. I mean, mm -hmm. literally. Is that bad? I, yeah. I didn't want to hear it again after I initially listened to it. It was so bad. I've never played it publicly. Um, it's just something doesn't need to be done. Um, and then, but we've also responded to like people that have been walking their dogs, big dogs, and had them pick them up and run off of the dog while the dog's screaming and not be able to keep up with it. We've had um, a big lab in one area we work uh, where there's a really big male, and um, it apparently reached out and just grabbed the lab with one hand, pulled it off the trail. Uh, there was a pit bull with the lab. The pit took off running back right past the person and, and ran off. And he had to find his dog after, but it just bolted. You know, there was no. Yeah. So so working with dogs, no. And then as well, um, on the reputable searches that I'm aware of, uh, good dogs, tracking dogs, won't track. Um, they pick up a scent. They stop. They're not stupid. They, they're oh, not yeah. going to go anywhere after that thing at all. And, that, and it's ruined dogs. So my buddy's Akita, they took into an area. Actually, it's the same area that that lab was grabbed. But during daylight, he had his Akita up on the mountain. And the God dog goes hiking in the hills with him all the time. And um, it smelled something locked up, got under their feet. And it wouldn't walk. They had to carry an, an Akita uh, down off the mountain. It would walk after a while. And all it wanted to do was leave. And he said, now when he tells it to get in the pickup, let's go somewhere. It doesn't even want to get in the pickup anymore. Yeah. So, basically ruined them just smelling them so man that's that's terrifying every time i go out you know on expedition and my dogs are with me i don't really take them hiking on if it's a full bigfoot weekend but if i'm camping and just day hiking i make sure to stop and pet them a lot and you know kind of give across the vibe this is a pet it's not food right. um also i have very non-threatening dogs and i think that comes into it also yeah, um I mean, you got a little fluffy bunny dog like I do. I don't think, I think Bigfoot's like, 
That's not even well, worth it. I know that Big Bale was taken out when we record him coming in and out. They had apparently had an infant, and he was coming in and out of this river system from the high mountains down this lower river system. We would record his progression all the time. Uh, the same when I got his footprint and woke up, and um, and yeah, part of that was was dealing with the dog once we heard. But we had a lot of reports on this on this basically his his uh his path that he used to go up and down or this canyon the people that lived along there were losing dogs and what we realized after a while it was all the barkers mm -hmm. um everything that would alert to his presence as he's traveling through i think that would just piss him off over and yeah. over and he would just eventually go take out the barkers so he could cruise and not have anybody alert to his presence i could see that i could see that um I did have a question earlier from Lori. Um, she wanted to know how much the mic was, or if you just want to mention where you can, where you can purchase that. Um, and, and I'm in a little bit of a stall in between acquiring some components. Um, I want to change from the manufacturers in China that I've got on the handles to America. And so we're in a little stall. Um, you can get them at criterexploration.com. Uh, the full kit is 640 bucks. That comes with uh, a preamp, uh, a mic. It's a two channel preamp and mixer and um and a microphone and all that uh to goes with it so and it's also you know they come with a, another mount that you can put a gopro on or a lot of people run thermal on top of the dish so you know your sound is what alerts you to a, a subject and then your camera your thermal's on board so you can know where to point and whatnot right um, but yeah they're 640 bucks and and they're okay. available at our uh, website at criterexploration.com and like i said if if anyone does go over there and order one up um we're having a little stall probably take a couple of weeks or something to get things together and a lot of that's because we're we're about to step them up for um for use outside the domestic market and so right. you know if they're just basically going to be revamped a little and made better here pretty quick so awesome awesome i mean i think it sounds like a pretty good deal for what you're getting um yeah and, and there's, you know it took three years to basically engineer and get them to the point they're at right yeah. now and um yeah it's all most of that is in build uh there's not a lot of profit to really pull off in a sense you'd think that not but you know we have an aerospace company cut the frames and, mm -hmm. and retainers and stuff out of aerospace yeah. materials and blah 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 so you know it's, yeah. it's a little off off the top yeah um well i know that she's you know she's been doing this for over 20 years and so audio is where it's at for her that's how she started that's what she's into most all these fancy new things come out thermals and all of that but audio is just where it is in her heart also she's the world's nosiest person so i'm sure that has an added bonus for her um she's mm. gonna yell at me after the show i can feel i it. love it <laughs> um okay so um, I want to ask real quick because we're coming up on the end of the show there. Um, our, I'm sure our listeners will want to know where they can go to see all of your work and support you. Um, mm -hmm. Can you share where they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So as I stated before, we have a website. It's criterexploration.com. It's mainly just a list of our services. Plus, uh, we list a bunch of Merc on there as well. We got some fossils and other things for sale. You can also buy some of our equipment um, like recorders or that parabolic unit. And then we're also on YouTube at, and our channel name is KX uh, Space Crider Exploration. You can usually find us there and in other locations by just Googling Crider Exploration or my name, Robert Crider. We're also on Facebook and various places. We have a couple of groups. One is Crider Exploration. Another is KX Cryptid Hominid, uh, Bigfoot and more. And um, that's pretty easy to find. And then we also, um, you know, we're on Twitter and all that stuff. We just don't normally use it very much. Uh, and if you'd like to support us, we're on Patreon. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, um, I also put the YouTube link in the show notes to this show. So you guys can go check out his YouTube channel. He covers a lot more than just Bigfoot. Um, Mm -hmm. He covers all kinds of things. So uh, you guys can go get your fill of all the things that are odd and weird and well covered by Mr. Kreider here. Um, All right. So I thank you so much for coming on tonight. Seriously, you've been amazing. You've been a font of information. I, I really... I love how you answered a few different questions because we seem to, um, there's a stigma around certain topics and I think you covered them very well. And so thank you for keeping it simple, but also, you know, very eloquent. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate Um, the opportunity. Nightcaller is one of my favorite places to be. Um, I love the show. You guys are always awesome. No, I really do look forward to it. You know, I really, really do. I know <laughs> I've had, a, I have to say this as well, real quick before we get off into our crunch. No, of course. But no I, you're good. There's several people that, that need, want me and need me to do their, their broadcasts and their shows. And I, I want to ever tell everyone out there that um, I'll do them. We'll, we're going to get in line. Um, yeah. I know that we've had a past history and, you know, mm-hmm. and night callers to me is a very important opportunity not to belittle anyone else, but, but we'll get there. So <laughs> I appreciate much. it. I appreciate <laughs> it. I'm glad that you came back and that we could update everyone on, on, um, you know, one of my favorite things is when I, cause we've done over the past 10 years, we've done over 300 shows and we have some of those people come back and, you know, some people they'd be like, well, we already heard from them. And I'm like, in the 10 years that let's say Robert Kreider has been doing this, how have his views changed from that show to now? Um, Because to me, the mark of a good researcher or adventurer or treasure hunter is not to stay the same over decades of time. It's to grow and change and learn and experience. Mm -hmm. And so today's show I'm sure is going to be vastly different from the show that we did with you prior. Um, so I, I love well, having hopefully. You. Hopefully your numbers are good, man. That's what, you know, and I, <laughs> I want to spread info and good numbers is the only way that occurs. So That's to me, true. everyone's looking, everyone's looking for validation, which I guess a lot of individuals probably know. I don't really care about validation yeah, sure, um, yeah. and, and, and fame, whatnot. And to me, it's like, it's directly reflective of who's going to hear the message. We're doing the research so that people can find out the truth. And so yeah. the more people that know about it or find out that word, uh, the more it feels justified and worth it. Let's put it that oh, way. Absolutely. I, I don't push for a lot of big numbers. I don't do all that, but I do have what I feel are quality people on. And I have a platform um, where people can come and share their education, their information and experiences safely without being ridiculed. Um, this comment, I'm just going to pop this up here for you. So <laughs> you can... <laughs> You can put that one on your website in big quotes, right. you know. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's funny everybody says that too. Um, because Brad Pitt's one I haven't heard before, so that's <laughs> I'm sure you get the Indiana Jones a lot or, you know, stuff like that. But, um, yeah. yeah, some sometimes. Um, and then uh, now his name slips me, the, um, the outdoorsman who hunts all the time, the old rock and roller. Oh, Ted Nugent. Yeah, Ted yeah. Nugent. Ted Nugent pretty constant. I, Matter of fact, I, we did a we did a, a, a show trailer for Animal Planet one time and and the production team who did it when I got to see it, the whole thing was done to Ted Nugent. And they were calling me Ted Nugent that you know oh, throughout the thing. So yeah. oh my gosh, that's funny. Like to me, I mean I can I can see the Ted Nugent, but you're you're a little bit more positive than he is. He's 
I, I love the guy, but he is not a ray of sunshine. My goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> he tells it like it is, which is great, but is. Yeah. goodness gracious. Um, by the end of his shows, I just, you know. Um, okay, let's see. Angelina Jolie is speechless right now. Greg, <laughs> hard to crack up already, I can tell. He'd be a fun guy to have around the fire, man. I'll tell you oh, absolutely, absolutely. He is one of my treasured listeners um, that I enjoy his comments um, because he he tells it from the heart. And um, he, he, yeah, he tells it from the heart and he's very complimentary, but also real, which I very much appreciate. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't hold back for fear of looking dumb or cheesy or anything like that. So I appreciate it. And Great. I love all my listeners. They're, they're all amazing. Um, I have moderators over here in the chat. Uh, they honestly don't have anything to do because my listeners are just great. They don't troll. Um, they're respectful of guests. So I'm Yeah, I'm thank blessed. you, everyone. I appreciate yeah. you guys and mods for hanging out and um, doing the work, too, man. It's, it's really yeah. great because I know it takes a lot to put these things on. So Yeah, it's, it's a lot, but it's so worth it, man, because I get people like you on, and I learn something from every single guest. And it just, you know, my research is important to me. And I still go research, but this podcast is important to me because I'm learning, I'm experiencing. And that's why 346 shows, um, uh, we started the North American Bigfoot Researcher was a series that we started back in the day. We just wanted to have a limited series of researchers because everybody was doing witnesses and all this. And we were like, we want to talk to researchers. We want to talk to people like us that are out there on the ground in the field. And, um, it's been 346 episodes now. There's just so many researchers and so many great people to talk to. We just kept going with it. And that's a lot of knowledge out there. Oh, yeah. so. You guys are blessed to have just that base of knowledge to make comparative analysis. You know, association oh, is a big thing in the mind. Yeah. And if you don't have this or that to associate with, it's called recondite. So the brain doesn't even know how to comprehend them some things. Yeah. That's what causes a lot of illusions or delusions and things like mm -hmm. that actually just the brain not being able to have anything to compare it with so it's great you mean it's it's a blessing for you that's awesome because oh, yeah. you have a huge information base just to weigh things against so that's i great. do um Along you know people, you know how many that's 300 and something people too right? yeah so. yeah over 300 people because we've had a few repeats but that's over 300 people that to me have not just because everyone's like you know i got a comment the other day i can't believe you don't interview witnesses and i'm like First of all, everybody interviews witnesses. So let's, I'm going to be different because I'm, I'm just different. I love being different. But also to me, researchers are witnesses, but they're witnesses who used it to motivate them to do something about it. Right. Go find out what they saw. Go find out why this thing is this thing and get as much information as they can. So, yeah. I mean, to me, that's even, that's a step up from the witness encounters. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, the it's, it's been an amazing experience to have this many amazing researchers on and learn the things that I've learned. Um, you know, I have, I have the hardcore scientific researchers, investigators, whatever you want to call them. And then mm -hmm. I have the ones who are more paranormal minded that are more woo or whatever. Um, sure. Last time I had Ron Moorhead on last week and he was, you know, he's, he's changed so much from the first time I had him on to now um, he published quantum Bigfoot. And so it's just, Mm -hmm. I love having having all these different viewpoints on it. It's, it's amazing. It's a lot to learn from and appeals to a lot of different people. I'll say. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Well, it crosses a lot of boundaries, man. It's it does. Bridge deals, which is kind of one of the reasons we enjoyed working on. 
Oh, absolutely. So doing high end treasure recovery left a pretty bad taste a couple of times. There's nothing pretty about that whole. Yeah. Deal usually, and um, it's not as glorious as what people think. And I'm uh, sure I kind of stepped out of that and drove toward this. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a refreshment to me to do it anyway because I didn't feel like, well, what are you going to take out of me for this? Yeah. You know, you can't use me, abuse me, cheat me, steal whatever. This is my deal. Of course, you know. I guess there's the bad apples. So we've we've run the top oh, to the yeah. bottom. So oh yeah, oh yeah. There's some Never. there's some there's some uh, people in this um, in this community that uh, you know it's rough, um, yeah. but then you find the the ones you know the the good ones. Um, someone earlier said you know Rob is one of the good guys, and um, to have. To have where you're, like you specifically, you're impacting people's lives by sharing your experiences and your education. And that's, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, and to have honest people out there doing honest things, trying to solve this phenomena or give more information on it, you know. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, and I enjoy doing things the hard way. And so I just was kind of blessed to be prepping oh. time to do it. So absolutely glad I, glad, glad I could get some answers for people who can't get it themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on tonight. It's been an amazing show and I can't wait to see where you go next. And before we go off air, do you have anything coming up? Any big projects, conferences, anything like that? Um, yeah, we've, there'll be um, a couple. There's going to be a conference next year in 2024. Okay. Yeah, actually two of them. We're going to do another one in, um, in Tallahena, Oklahoma, another Kayamichi Mountains Bigfoot conference. The first one we did actually worked out really, really well. Awesome. We did it on a shoestring. We didn't go over the board, but man, the people we had, um, it was, it really was an amazing informative event. And then I'm going to be doing another one um, in Kansas. And I, I don't even have the name of that one in front of me yet. Um, it was early on. I found, and I believe like they're both around in March. Or, I mean, yeah, March or May, something like that. So just okay. keep watch and, and you'll get that out there. And then, um, yeah, we've always got something on the horn. So, yeah. and then uh, looks like it's, there's rumor in the air that, yeah, I might be doing Phenomicon up September. So. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of great conferences. I will say now, um, and so you guys, it sounds like right now there's those, but, um, I would, I, I've seen your name a lot on different rosters, so I'm sure that your scorecard fills up pretty quickly. So yeah, it goes round and round. That's why I say I feel kind of bad because with everything I started working as a mechanic. Okay. Again. So it's like a fallback that or a chef is my fallback job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I usually don't tell people I can cook and I don't tell them I know how to work on cars. Cause that's oh. the first thing they're going to have to do cook for me and fix my car. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, but it has been busy this whole summer. I barely got a chance to do a lot. Uh, I think this Saturday and I might try to live stream some of it. I'm going to go and potentially I'm going to go, if everything works out, go visit with the family unit that I hung so much time with awesome. and, and go in there and, and I'll try to do that live. If I can get a signal out of there, then it can be pretty cool. So visually, right. usually it stinks, but we've had some neat stuff happen. So oh, anyway, awesome. hold, hold you too long, but thank no, you. You're good. You're good. Thank you so much for your time tonight. And you guys go check out all of his social media, his website, everything that he mentioned, his Facebook groups where you guys can join in and ask him questions. Um, don't forget to subscribe, hit that like button and stay safe, be kind, and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio is a Nightcaller's production, created and hosted by me, Lauren Smith. If you'd like to support the show further, you can share episodes with other believers and seekers of the truth. 
Leave a positive review or subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. We also have merch. Visit the links on our Instagram and Facebook pages to check it out. Stay safe, be kind, and I'll see y'all next time.